0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. What a difference a week makes. I remember last week coming up here, dragging myself up here because I was just miserable. I was not feeling well. And for those of you who would think, well, you just don't understand how, how to be well. You don't understand these things. I haven't had the flu and I can't remember the last time I had it. And so I I attribute what happened to me, and I'm going to get off this because i got a big message to deliver today, to having come back from a whirlwind ministry in Brazil, flying all night, getting here, spending all day into the evening, and just going without getting any rest, and then being around some individuals who... um, weren't were not well and I just was susceptible so you can have all the faith in the world but if you don't use your head what good does it do but the point is is that I'm I'm doing well thank you uh, for your uh, concerns for me but I'm I'm doing well busy day yesterday very busy day today I'm recording this quite early in the morning because I have uh, a Brazilian broadcast, and then I have a couple of hour meeting with some pastors um, to discuss a number of very important things, and um, just, just a lot of stuff to do. We should be always abounding in the work of the Lord, and we, we are doing that, so, um, and I trust you're doing well. For those of you who have tuned in uh, just off the, off the proverbial internet street, my name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. I am very much delighted to be able to share each week with my congregation the scriptures and, um, and also to welcome our Saints Network family from many places around the world. Um, This is going to be a a, a new monocost-type discussion, so we're going to be talking about the deeper things of the word. That's not to sound pretentious, that's just where it is. So if you're looking for a broadcast that's going to tell you the old, old story for the 1,500,000th time, as precious as it is, this probably isn't it. So um, I want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, First of all, our seminar here in Dallas entitled His Rest is rapidly approaching, so we, uh, we encourage you to be in prayer and be ready, um, those of you in Dallas. We want everybody who is part of our Saints Network to register online. You can do that. And uh, we, we really hope that a great number of you can come and be here for the gathering. Uh, we have some some wonderful folks who've never been here before, who are traveling from Europe to come, and I'm I'm very very delighted about that. So um, make your make your plans now. One of the things that God put in my heart a couple of weeks ago was a peculiar type of encounter with the Lord through, uh, that we're to offer to him through the beginning of our seminar here in Dallas. And that, without going back over every jot and tittle of it, that involved us submitting ourselves each evening out of Revelation 3 to welcome the Lord to come and meet with us and to deal with things in our lives. You can read that, the the writing to Laodicean church, um, to love us and to counsel us in ways that we need, Um, and that the end result would be that we would buy gold of him, that we would be outfitted in uh, a garment of righteousness, and that we would have our eyes, our perceptions, anointed with uh, the salve that he would bring. And then we would overcome so that we could sit with him uh, in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father and that we would establish his dwelling where he's sending us and represent him. Now, those three things, quickly, this is not the message. Hey, you have an outline today. Isn't that wonderful? So you can be pulling that up, but you better be listening to what I'm saying. Um, the, the The gold tried in the fire Gold represents our assignment from the Lord, our faith in him, what, what we have uh, agreed upon at the offering of the Father at the right hand of the throne. That substance, that, that depth, that, that wealth. Uh, so throughout scripture, gold represents that, uh, that empowerment to represent him. And um, the trying is interesting. We talked about the Agora, what buying meant, that that the Lord would be supplying what we need, but for the purposes of going back out into the marketplace. But gold in the Old Testament, when it was tried, really meant that it was evaluated. Trying was not purifying. There's a difference between those things. You can look them up in Scripture. There's a wonderful passage I was studying yesterday about silver being purified and gold being tried. Um, The Lord wants to know if He can trust you with what He's giving you. Whether you will represent Him. Whether you are of of the spiritual depth and inclination to be able to actually do this. And that's what these times are about. well you say, well, doesn't God want me to do it? God wants us to do a lot of things, whether we're willing to do it or whether we're going to succeed at it, uh, or just give it the old college try is is another question. So um, the the trying of gold is is very interesting. Uh, now, the fire there in revelation three is also, utilized to describe lightning. I think that's interesting because we really are at this place in the heavens where God is working with us in our contrition, the secret place of thunder. And I I know what we've taught about it in the past and it's all been true. But I think there's also a factor of while those elements are being moving about in in the winds of the Spirit, things are being shaken off it's, it's, there's a purifying element to it as well as an electrifying element of that place of thunder. But the lightning, where we're empowered to go forth and shake the earth, where we are being sent forth as arrows of our Father and as sons, that's part of this gold. Very important. And then when that happens, and I dare say only when that happens, we're outfitted with what the scripture speaks about is white linen, righteousness of the saints. We have partnered with God. We have gained agreement with him. And we're willing to walk in that vision and that God says to Abraham, that's righteousness. So this clothing is indicative and representative of what God has been able to do through us in our acceptance and our being empowered for the unique task of power that we're being sent to. And then we need the salve on our eyes. We need to be able to perceive what he's doing. We need to be able to see things from his perspective. We need to be healed of past visions and have correction done so that now we don't see things the old way with the fingerprints of the past, fears and judgments included, but we can see things crisply and clearly. We need that. I need that. So those three things should be happening. So every night, make that covenant and agreement. It doesn't have to be a knock-down, drag-out, down, drag bombastic event. Um, a couple of nights in these past couple of weeks have been that way for me. I have yet to see Jesus walk into the room and sit down at a table. But I know he's there. I know his presence. I know he's doing these things. What good does it do for him to sit across the table and you tell him all of the woes and challenges of your life and he reaches into his uh, into his uh, arsenal and he pulls out a little hanky for you to wipe your tears that's not what this is about you're you're being galvanized to go forward that's the kind of Jesus that we're walking with otherwise how are you going to be an heir how are you going to be a joint heir if all all he does is say oh you poor baby have you ever been to Akron you know wh- what what would that be I mean that I don't want that. I want to. I want to represent him. I, I want to be with him. And that's what this is about. So let's buck it up, and recognize the moment. Be done with lesser things, and let's get after it. So, this is a long period of time, but not long in the Lord's eyes. It'll be over before we know it. But every night, oh, I've got this thing tonight. I've got that thing. Look, let's not just, let's parse, let's not parse schedules. Let's not do that. All you have to do is welcome the Lord at some point. And you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything to welcome Him. And, you will see changes if you allow him to do his work. You'll remember some of them. A lot of them you'll feel. But let let that happen. So this business of being changed uh, is going to be our topic today, being converted. And, um, you know... God's been telling us for a couple of years that he was transitioning us. He was changing us. That's been happening. Uh, But the theme continues. You do and you teach. You, You walk with the Lord. You listen to his spirit. You study his word. And God shows you things there that you would not have seen or really understood or really been able to utilize had you not been walking through them with him. And such is this passage that is very familiar to all of us, found in Matthew 18. As I said, there's an outline for you there. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 1. At the same time came the disciples to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who, who in this power word made zong? Who, who, who is the magus? Who is going to be able to move about and jurisdict within the kingdom of heaven? Who, want, who's going to be most effective? Who's going to be most um, capable? This this word has lots of meanings, and why they kept asking such things really in some ways, was what Jesus was preparing them for. But in other ways, it was really from an immature perspective, like the time, you know, who's who's greatest among us? Who do you love most? You know, all those crazy comments, which uh, I, I thank God he tolerated them because that's hope for me because he sure tolerates me on a lot of occasions all the time, really. So who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall humble, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. Boy, we can unpack this in a lot of different ways. So let's get started. This is a cherished passage for so many, particularly parents and grandparents, who they see the little child business, and uh, and we'll talk later about their, their angels beholding the face of the father, and they can't get off that. This becomes about child care. This becomes about Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. The problem was, he wasn't at a Mother's Day out. He was in the midst of a crowd and his disciples, seasoned men, who were called to welcome this new covenant with Jesus. This was the context Greatest in the kingdom. Wow, that's that's the that's the the focus. And so, the child, just for the purposes of our discussion today, represents, as we've said so many times in the past, our being willing to be before the Lord again. To allow him to do something new in us. To allow him to love us in those first ways and develop us for what is ahead. So, Jesus says, unless you be converted, is that what he says? Let me just look at it. Except you be converted and become as little children... You won't even be able to engage in what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is doing. Some people mince. oh, what's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's all God's kingdom. So many times those are interchangeable. I know there may be nuances of difference, but this is really just speaking about heaven to earth, how we're to welcome the kingdom. So, What does converted mean? This comes from the Greek word strepho. I've written it there for you. And it indicates a decisive turn or a change. Now, this is not metanoia. So just discard that right now. This is not repentance. This is not doing the 180. 180 so you're you're way off course stop turn around and go back to what you're supposed to be that's what metanoia is that's not this word this is used to describe i've written this for you the turning of a horse the turning of a ship the maneuvering of soldiers <coughs> excuse me the verb form utilized to describe the turning on a sleepless bed, the rotation of a potter's wheel, the turning of the soil, that's one of the ways that it's regularly used in that society, or the changing of one's mind or perspective. Now, three lexicons that I did study concerning this word, and I i looked at probably 10 scholastic resources, and... Um, about this. So I wanted to make sure that what I'm saying is not another one of pastors' wacky ideas. And I really don't give a flip whether you can find out what I've studied, honestly. If, if I didn't know this to be sure, true, I would not be broadcasting this into the nations right now. But three lexicons I studied compared this to the Hebrew word, hold on now, panah, The turn, the cycle, the face itself. I I think that's very interesting. This word was very synonymously used uh, with the pana in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew scholars of of the Hebrew scriptures. And so what does this mean, the conversion? Let's just talk about this for a minute. It really means that you have to come before the Lord as he's choosing you. He brings you into the middle. Are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to become as a child again to enter into this new thing God is doing? And and arguably, this should happen many times for us. It's the changing of the garments, which we studied about which should happen many times in in the path of a warrior. And that keeps you frosty. It keeps you ready, equipped. And that's really what God's doing right now in us or trying to do. Um, The going before his face, I think that's wonderful. To the chain, the turning of the cycles of the Lord. To be face to face with Him, face to face, and to um, to be be changed by that. You, this is a process. It's a divine process. Jesus was not talking to rank recruits here. He was talking to disciples. People who had seen miracles, who had heard Him teach, who had been with Him. And he's saying, "Look, you you guys are going to have to be changed." You know, I just don't like all these Greek words. I don't like this strepo. It's just too just too hard. You use this word a lot in your modern society. Have you ever used the the, the word apostrophe? I'm sure you have. Strepo is right there in the middle of it. It, it, it's used for many occasions, I'm not gonna speak on grammar here, um, but to combine two words into one, use an apostrophe, to merge them, to indicate possession, um, to, uh, to separate one thought from another in some ways, and to become something new Yeah, you use that word. You ever use the word catastrophe? We'll talk about this later. There it is again, my friends. I just don't like these Greek words. Well, you're using them more than you know. And if a catastrophe comes, that means, man, this is life-altering. Something has come down, strafo. Something has come down and things will not be the same. Isn't that true? So this process of strepho, being converted, Jesus said, you have to have that. And, and it's, it's a very important facet of how you engage in the kingdom. So, again, it's before the face of God. It's you coming. And it's just like what he said. This is, he was having this discussion with the Laodiceans you are rich. You're blessed. You've had many conquests. there in that seventh day, that seventh church. But I'm telling you, you, you really don't have anything for what's coming. You're, you're poor. You're naked. You're miserable. And I counsel you now to be chastened, to, to allow me to change you. And I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking and I'm saying, there's a new horizon. Are you willing to welcome? Oh, hear my voice. You hear me. Do you hear me? And open the door and welcome me in. And I'm going to do this. And only Jesus. This is Jesus doing this. It's different from his dimension, his, his identity as the Father or his identity as the Spirit. Those are precious. We need those. It's not Well, I follow Jesus. I don't really follow the Father. I've heard nonsense in the past. And I thought, who are you? How are you saying such nonsense? That was spoken within our own camp. We need every aspect of God. And as he chooses to appear to us, it's for a purpose. This is for, why is it Jesus? Because we are partnering with him to do the will of the Father. This is higher level, to borrow a, probably a term that's not been used well, identity in Christ. And I, I love this. So that's where we are. Now in Luke 22, it's right there. Where is it, Pastor? It's right there on your outline. Luke 22, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, oh, he's doing the double issuance there. Oh, my goodness. This means he's coming real near in your face and you're not going to get away from him. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Don't get off on that. Look at this. Why would he want that? To stop you from going forward. That's why. So get off the tactic of the enemy and get on to the objective in hand. But I have prayed for you. My supplication is devoted to this. What? For what? What's Jesus praying? That your faith doesn't fail. That's what this trying of the faith is all about. Are you going to stick it out? And when you are, here it is now epistrepho, strepho, converted. Strengthen your brethren. This process is not about whether you can overcome the enemy. This process is not about whether you're just going to make it through, brother. This process is not about even the Simon, Simon. It's about the mission from the Father. All of these wonderful things are part of that. But the goal, what good is it for us to have whooping up on the enemy and being changed and doing all these other things if, if we don't accomplish our faith and do it for the glory of God? When you are converted, when you've allowed this process to change you, Strengthen your brethren. This is our old pal sterizo. You can look it up. Some of you are already ahead. You're seeing it means established. You're seeing all these other things. But what does it mean in essence? We get our word sterile from this. The two things I want to talk about. First of all, it's got a negative connotation for somebody who can't have children. Well, you know, he's just sterile. It's like the, the old joke. I shouldn't tell a joke. No, I won't tell it. It's a good one, though. Um, but it just means this guy's not reproducing himself. I don't want to reproduce myself in this. I want to become what he is. I don't want to redo what I've been. Oh, you know, this is what my father did and what my grandfather did. Bless them. They're not around anymore. Jesus is. And he wants to accomplish in you what you're supposed to do. So, yes, we need to make disciples. Yes, we need to lead people to Christ. That's not what I'm disdaining here. I don't want to recreate the Ron that was at 17 years old. I knew him. He was a good kid. But... I I want to be what Christ wants of me now. The church replicates itself. And that's a problem. We think about conversion. It's, oh, brother, are you converted? Are you born again? And we think that's it. That's the be-all, end-all. Now you're in the club. Here you are. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God yeah, I am too. Now let's do something with it. Let's keep on becoming more like him. So converted is an ongoing process of God's choosing. So Peter, when you break through this, then I want you to be established. The other facet of sterile sterile is when an instrument of uh, surgical uh, capacity is sterile, sterilized. What does that mean? Well, yes, it means it's pure. But what really does it mean? You can use this now for whatever task is at hand. That's the essence of Sterizo. So when you break through this and you've established the course, you stand like you've been changed so that your brethren can come into alignment. Also, with that service that God has ordained. Do you see that? What good does it do if you just have a tray of, of uh, surgical instruments that are all purified if you don't know what you're going to do? If you don't what, know what the objective is for the use of them? If, if, you, if you've just become a real whiz bang at um, some surgical procedure and then no matter what that patient is on the table, brother, that's what you're doing. Well, I know what you need. You need a good old facelift. I'm good at that. Make a lot of money at it. Done it for years and years. Ain't nobody better I'm known all over the world for it. Well, if that's not what the patient needs... Those instruments, being pure, are not going to really do their job. The person might look better, but they're still going to be as bad off as they were when they were brought in on that table because their scenario hasn't been changed. So Peter had to be changed, and the Lord was praying for that. Note note that, the Lord, here it is again, praying for that. And let's go back. Where was this little child put? In the midst. Where is Jesus when two or three come together according to the will of God? In the midst. I want to be with him, but I I don't want to just be with him. I want to be him. And that's the strepho. There are a lot of uh, ramifications of this word. uh, Derivations. Throughout the scripture, you can study them for yourself. That's my my objective today. I've I've got to hone in on what God is trying to do in you right now. And you can study how it's used, but you can study how it's used. The cows come home, but if you don't let this happen in you, it's not going to do you any good. You just have head learning. That can be beneficial We've we've got to be changed. So here's one, Matthew three five thirty nine. I say unto you, that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy cheek, turn strefo to him the other also. This is talking. Why would Jesus use strefo here? There are other words that would have been to to indicate. I'm just going to, you know, you hit me here, I'm just going to move over this way. Have it, Go ahead, have a shot. Have a nibble. No, he uses strefo in the presence of evil. This this is a theme that we're not really going after today, but it's there. You can study it for yourself, pneumaticos kiddos. This is a tactic, a divine tactic, Of rebuffing the enemy. If the enemy comes against you. In the midst of this new identity. That you have. Utilize that new identity. View the attack. Don't go off in the natural. Resist not evil. Don't don't go off in the natural. Put up your dukes boys. But view things through the perspective. That God has given you of the change that's happened in you now this i would i i remember what happened when we first were encountering opposition from a denominational level it hurt i felt the guts of my identity being ripped out and ridiculed and mocked as a person as a minister and um Thankfully, I stayed true to the Course. Honestly, because of the Lord and because of you. I, what I Honestly, I didn't want to let you down. I wanted to deliver you to Him. And I wanted to be what He wanted to be. But there was a whole lot of part of me that, um, that throughout my years of being political in the movement, uh, that that was saying a whole lot of ouches and, hey, you better think about this. That's part of being changed. And And then, you know, if you really submit yourself to the new course and you know that this is what God has done, use it. And if you use it properly, a lot of that bitterness... And a lot of that um, incredulity that people would do the things they do doesn't stain you. I, I hear Jesus' words on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. It fits in here. Those yahoos that had been beating him and mocking him, they really didn't get the picture. And somehow Jesus, for the joy set before him, in what God had asked him to become and to do, really died to self and became this iconic demonstration of devotion to the will of the Father. It'll help you. Uh, There's another passage you'll find. Pastor, did you see this? Yeah, I saw it. But remember when Peter was saying, "Lord, you know, I I rebuke you. You're not going up to Jerusalem." And Jesus turned, and here's our word again. And he, to me, it wasn't him saying that Peter was possessed, but he turned, and he looked. Get thee behind me, Satan! You know not what really what you're doing here. You you, you have no part with, with what I'm called to do. And he was really saying that in the presence of Peter, who he's been trying to get to be a participant in this strepho. Another aspect of that story. Now let's look um, also, let's just reference, and in the temple is the heading. Jesus overturned, there's our word catastrophe, the seats of the money changers, and in John 2.15, he overturned Anastrephon the tables. So he did a work both on the, the structure of it, and he did a work on the manifestation of it. He pro- provided a catastrophe to what the um, the ongoing work in that temple was going to be, the whole structure of it and from that day forward it it just wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna ever be the same the strophe of the lord in that temple really began here tearing of the veil yeah that magnificent wonderful and what would eventually be in AD 69 when the legion came in it was thrown down terrible in fact um, you know I, I I was looking at how this word is used and um, I noticed several instances where the scriptures talk about you you better you better be following what God wants you better do what you're going to do because If you don't do this, these terrible things are going to happen and you're going to find yourself beset by the overcoming of the enemy. And then I was reminded of people that came into the wedding feast and didn't have this garment on and they're thrown out in the outer darkness, weeping and wailing. Those who reject this process will really bring the negative ramifications upon themselves of that rejection. It's real-time kingdom reality. Uh, Also, uh, you know, there are so many of those types of passages where Jesus says, like he turns, he turned, he turned on his way to the cross. And he looks out over the women and he says, you know, don't weep for me. You weep for your own children because there's going to be all kinds of calamity that's going to come upon you. Uh, from his perspective of representing the Father, he said, "Those who have rejected me are going to pay pay a price. Uh, not necessarily of being judged, even though that's part of it. But you rejected the way of the Lord, and then you're going to have your own. You're going to you, you sowed, and you're going to reap." That's, that's where it is. Um, and, and that's really where we are in these days to come. Some of the uh, eschatological literature. It's time to get on board with Jesus and really be what he's calling us to be. <laughs> and he will keep us from the hour of temptation that will come upon the whole world. That, that's a passage. Why? Because we're with him. We just didn't hear about him. We just didn't study him all our life. We keep on being changed. So we're with him in the midst, in the center of the storm. Acts fifteen, this is a ooh this is a great one. These are all great ones. The tabernacle of David in our days, through the Gentile Church, mind you. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, <coughs> excuse me, as it is written, After this I will return. Gee willikers. Wonder what word he used here. What I reckon what it might be. Oh, look, it's Anna strefo. I knew Anna. I knew all the Strefos. Anna strefo. The Lord is returning. He's doing a new thing. He's doing something amazing. And it has to do with Strefo. Imagine that. And I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord. And all the Gentiles, how many Gentiles? All the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who does these things. This is a a pneumatocos stem winder right here. How's God going to raise up the tabernacle of David in these days? Well, we're seeing it. We're being sent. We're we're in the middle of it right now. After this, I will return. Who? Who who, who will return? I will return. Well, bless God. That's Jesus. And what's he going to do when he returns? Oh, he's just going to draw us near and wipe away all our tears. No, he's in Anastropho. He's doing this thing that he said he would do in Revelation 3 that we've been talking about, that he prayed for Peter. If he was praying for Peter to be converted, do you think maybe he's praying for you to be converted? So for this tabernacle of David to be rebuilt, which Jesus is doing, son of David, What's he doing when he returns? What's the first thing? Oh, yeah, I get the point, Pastor. No, I don't think you do. <laughs> I said, Fred Gwynn and my cousin Vinny. No, I don't think you do. After this, I will return. This is what Jesus is doing right now. You want to ride with him? I'll tell you a little bit more than dancing in the river. You, you better submit to him, which is what we're trying to do for these long nights of welcoming him and letting him do a thing that's, has he done this before in us? Of course he has. He did it at the beginning. Will you partner with me? Will you be changed? Will you be willing to do things according to my word at the unction of my spirit that are different than what you've done? Will you serve me in a way that you've not served me before? Yeah. Yes. We've been changed probably more times than we realize. But this, this changing at his behest, is monumental. Perhaps, it indicates this time frame that James is referencing here in Acts 15, when the Lord returns to raise up the tabernacle of David. Hey, this is one of those returns, the return of Christ we, I don't have it in any of our prophetic charts. Wow. I mean, look at it yourself. Is he returning or isn't he? Well, yeah, he is. This is Old Testament, New Testament right here. You've got a double issuance at least. So when Jesus has come back in this moment to do things that are happening in you so that this tabernacle of David throughout the Gentiles throughout the world, which is what God's been talking to us about for a couple of years now, right? I will return. I will do this. I will influence a changing within you. I'll give you this precious gold, and I will I'll try it to make sure in this long process that you're going to walk worthy of this calling. I will outfit you commensurately with what you need to do in representing me, that Sha'al of commune with me, that indication of the white linen of the saints. <clears throat> you better let this work happen. You better let it get down deep in you. And you better recognize what it means. You better commit yourself to it. Because there's no going back. You're not going to dabble with this. Get an anointment. Have an impartation. Just like so many conferences you've gone through. This is change. And boy, do I need to be changed. And look, I know a lot of you. You need to be changed too. I wonder about that passage. He's coming back for church without spot or wrinkle washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I wonder if that's this garment where Jesus is getting the spots out of us. And he's getting off the wrinkle of vacillation. How long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. Wonderful words from the prophet, which should be our message today, shouldn't it? After this, I will return. Now, let's look at one other thing and hold on to your lug nuts because it's going to blow some of you away. At the end, toward the end of Matthew 18. And why, why did Jesus talk about all that business about if your eye offend you, if your hand offend you? Because he was really talking about this process that we have been engaged in discussing. The chastening of the Lord, the cleansing of the Lord. There's an evaluation. Are you going to be able to move in the kingdom? Or are you going to start this thing and that old, same old issue that always rises up and bites you? Is there again? Cut it off. You commence to looking over at this stuff that always leads you astray, or you lose your perspective, or you, you don't have a single vision. Slice off whatever that errant view is. That's why he talked about those things here. And then he comes back to the children here. He's not done talking about these whippersnappers. Matthew 18, 10 and 11. Take heed that you despise, cataphroneo, not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. The heading that I typed here, we must submit the foundation of our learning and experience to God that it does not oppose this in our lives and or in others. Cataphernal. We've studied this word talked about the the repository of the friend breathing after God let let that dimension of the spirit breathing form our understanding form our passions form our perspectives that's a holy thing right yes that's a pneumatikos thing right yes well here you go don't allow that framework of what God has given you in the depths of understanding and experience in him to say, I don't want this. I don't like this. "nah, uh I don't want to do that. Or dare I say, I'll oppose it. Don't let that get in the way. So in other words, you've got to lay down your crown. You've got to lay down what, whatever it is, even, even the wonderful things of God. It's a, humili- <laughs> it's a humiliating process at times. But there's, there's freedom in humility. There's freedom in meekness. Freedom in saying, "Yeah, I've I've learned all these things, but you are, who who will, who taught you all these things? Well, you did, Lord. I I want to become that little one again, cause I I want to go into the kingdom with you. No matter how big we are, no, no matter much how many, no matter how much learning we have. If we don't keep on being changed, we'll atrophy and die. This is the cycle of life. For any harvest field for trees. How are the how are the leaves of the tree of life going to heal the nations, saints, and the fruit thereof? We got to keep on being changed from glory to glory. Are you willing to do that? You know, I I talked to you about being amongst these many, many young ones that God has given us responsibility for. In South America. We're a residue. We're despised here in our own city. But you go some other place and you're like Moses. And you have to get you have to process that. But anyway, Prophet is despised only in his own land. It seems I read that somewhere before. Isn't this Jesus, the carpenter's son? Anyway, you see all these people being overwhelmed by the spirit of the Lord. And you have to view them through the perspective, not from a haughtiness. You've got to be willing to roll with them, literally and figuratively. But when you stand up, you've got to be the adult in the room. You've got to be the pneumatikos. You've got to be the Elijah. You, you've got to view things through the perspective that the Father has sent you to in the midst of what he's doing in them, in the midst of what he's doing <coughs> in these other leaders, because that's what God sent you for. And, and in a way, <coughs> you have to become as a little child to become that. S- hear what I'm saying you have to become as a little child to become as this pneumatikos influence for these people you got to do things in a new way you got to you got to be stretched you got to w- be willing to be a mentor now you got to be willing to be the voice of god to them in certain ways voice of correction at times a voice of instruction a voice of not being a know it all but even that, learning how to embrace the role of being cherished in that position and not sacrificing. And here's another thing. You've got to be careful not to allow familiarity to, um, to become the bane of your ministry. It doesn't mean that you walk above everybody. But if you don't preserve that identity of what God's called you to be, other ministers will morph you out of it. Other ministries will morph you out of it. Other things from the past will morph you out of it. Other, other ways that you perhaps were wounded in the past, you you, you feast off of that fruit. And you've got to be careful with that. Oh, it, it, there are things that God's changing in us that we don't realize. You, maybe you don't know you need to be changed. Hmm. Wait, no, that, isn't that the thing about it? We don't really know that we need to be changed, but we are. So what's the, what's this business? We come back to this outline here. What's this business of uh, their, their angels always beholding the face of the father? Is this guardian angels for little kids? You know, I had that picture that I saw, seen growing up, that I and I bought this little painting, hung it in Kelly's room, of this angel walking these little children across the bridge, the guardian angels. I do believe that, <coughs> excuse me, that each of us has a divine identity before the Father and that he he has um, angels that are devoted to certain tasks in regard to that calling. I know that there are angels that are assigned to this house where we are. I recognize them. I know their, their presence. I know that they were specially created to welcome the kingdom and to manifest the kingdom uh, as God chooses in the midst of of where we are. That's a different thing. You call them guardians all you want, but they're assigned to, to, to attend to this place. I know that there are angels that are assigned by the Father to come and instruct. I know that there are angels that are designed at times to be liaisons between us and angelic armies. I recognize them. I know that there are those that that will be assigned to represent us in going into other nations and meeting with those angelic outposts that are there. I recognize these unique assignments. And I don't become overwhelmed by it. I don't become silly with it. But you recognize that God has such a well-organized, Kingdom and these angels, they follow that through. Uh, I know that there are angels that are company that accompany me, on behalf of what I'm called to be. Uh, I I know that the objective is to do the will of the Father. Um, and you know, Satan even said, "Hey, throw yourself off. Um, your angels." Will we'll watch over you, lest you kick your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, "You know what? That's not what these angels are for. And I'm I'm not going to presume upon the Father in that way. That is a big statement to Satan, who left that calling in in his life. So I know that there's a representation." I'm more concerned for children that they begin to grow and become what God, God's spirit within them has put them on this earth to do. I'm more concerned with that because when you do that, then all these other things open up. It's not just like having an angel to watch over little kids so that they don't get in trouble. It's really not about that. So what, who are these little ones? In this context, let's just break it down. Break it down now. Come on, let, let's get real. Let's break it down. Who are these little ones in this context? Is it the little kid in the middle of the circle there? Or is he a, an illustrated sermon? God, Jesus loved him. This I know. <laughs> but You are the little children, aren't you? You become like this one. Isn't that what it says? Yes, it does. You've got to become like these little ones. And anybody that is going to oppose you, you better watch out because Jesus is with us. Because I am with them. They're in my name. That's what this passage says. So then he goes through the process of you being willing to Submit to chastening. Big time chastening. And then he says this that we just read. Their angels do behold the face. The face of who? The Father. Well, you know, I just follow Jesus. I don't really follow after the Father. The Father is his purpose. The Father is the one that wants you to become those sons. The Father is the one who... Loves you and sent his son so that you'd be redeemed to him. Jesus is your elder brother. He still lives so that you will do the will of the Father. But these angels, of these little ones, you, behold the face. The face. Remember we talked about Strefo and face. Pana. Behold the circle of God's ways. They behold the, the splendor of what God is doing, what he's ordained to do, what he desires to do in you and in the world. The angels are intent upon that. Do you have any idea what this means for you? Do you have any idea what this means for what is ahead that Jesus is preparing us for. The myriad number, the plethora of angels that have been assigned to serve the Father and you as you fulfill the will of the Father. What about that passage that says, are they not all ministering spirits? Litergios, they are devoted to what God wants to do, priests-like. They're like priests in some ways, serving alongside you, serving what God has called and given you to become and do, to which the angel said he at any time, sit thou at my right hand till I make my, my enemies... The footstool. You were created a little lower so that you can keep on being changed. The hunger to keep on being cycled in the ways of God. Their angels behold this. They're not recipients as sons. So, who are these little ones? you. You're being changed or turned? Yes, if you'll allow it. And what is that commensurate with? The face of God, His cycle, His ways. This is not a theoretical thing. This is not a well, bless God, that's just too deep for me thing. I want to hear simple. Just make it simple, preacher, for us little old people that aren't really that smart. You don't have to be smart to be changed. In fact, if you really were smart, you would be changed. Some of the greatest people that have impacted this world for the kingdom were uneducated people who had the the smarts to know I'm nothing without him. I'll become as nothing. I will lay everything down. Change me. And when you are converted, then be that vessel in the Father's hand to strengthen, to bring your brethren into that place of service. Well, that's what's happening right now in you, if you'll allow it. Well, I just wish he'd hurry up and get it over with. <laughs> How many days are we supposed to do this? i I I'm just I don't know. How long are we supposed to pray? You know, I'm not made for that. I wouldn't live. Hey, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If if one of your limbs is saying, I'm not going along, you know, get rid of it. This is physical changes so that we're being presented before the Father as someone who is holding that gold, the weightiness of it, the vitality of it, the costliness of it, the purity of it, the worth of it that we won't fail in representing the Father in this, in this currency of the kingdom, clothed with righteous linen. If people see you, they see the vision of the Lord. That's another good way of looking at this. It's not heavenly lingerie. It's the vision, the righteous vision of the Lord. And hopefully we're seeing things from that perspective. All right, I've gone past time. I I gave you, what, a little over 15 minutes last week. You owe me, but I am done. Let's be faithful to this mission, okay? What what God's doing, just submit yourself to Jesus. (laughs) I'll tell you this one thing, and then I'm done, okay? Because I know we're past time. Last week, I was not feeling well. And the thought came to me, you know, why did this happen to me when we just launched this thing? You know, my human nature, my mind. (coughs) So, in order to be comfortable and maybe sleep just a little bit at night, I I was laying on the floor upstairs in Katie's old room. And um, one night I was laying there uh, I'm not proud of this. I'm just saying I had a fever, drinking lots of liquids, but I was doing this thing. I was, I had committed myself to the Lord that night, and it was all I could do to resist saying, Lord, why did you let this happen to me? I got a lot of work to do, you know, griping and complaining, but I didn't do it. <coughs> I thought it, but I didn't do it. And for some reason, the thought came into my head to uh, pull up on Spotify the Hallelujah Chorus. So I did London Philharmonic and the London London Symphony and their singers. And I turned that on. I was upstairs. I wasn't going to interrupt Debbie. And it just started, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. But when it got to... The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Something happened in me. Suddenly, my perspective was drawn into the heavens, and and I remembered what this is all about. Suddenly, it was at this place before the Lord, and it was about His Hallelujah. It was about Him being given back what is His. The the perspective of all of heaven is geared toward that, and that's what we're participating in. And you know, when that happened, it was like the room was still dark. I I just began to weep from deep within me, just. I don't know how to describe it just from deep within my ma I began to just oh it just began to to shake and tears started streaming down my face and i I thank the lord and i I ask him to forgive me for my small vision it's about him and it was really a It was really a catharsis of perspective. I was so grateful for that. And, you know, I did that a couple of other nights up there on that floor and just had a wonderful time of praising him. But the perspective was not about Jesus walking into the room and loving me or, you know, all those other things that sometimes we hear and singing and the The Bride Music. This was about eternity. This was about what we're really supposed to be. Who he is. What this is. The focus. For the kingdom. You want to enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. That my friend is the kingdom. So. I still listen to that song every now and then. I love it. I've sung it in city chorales and in different stages before, sometimes as a baritone, sometimes as a light tenor, sometimes as a bass. That's the problem with having a voice that can do these things, but not the the sterling tenor or, you know, the, the bullfrog bass from the Warner Brothers commercials but you become what you're supposed to become. And I appreciated that. So I know a number of these parts and I would hear this. And I remember the times that I'd sung it before and would be captivated by hearing all these parts as part of the choir and the symphony playing. I remember that. But not like this. Who are you? Who are we? What are we called to be as he has returned to build this tabernacle? of David. Will you be ready? Are you willing and obedient? Because if you are that, you'll eat the good of the land with him, but that's not our perspective. Well, friend, if you do this and you do this, let me tell you what God's going to do for you. Let me tell you what God's going to do for me. I want to be before that place where Jesus is glorified in heaven. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God. I pray God will bless you today. Thanks for joining me. And uh, welcome the Lord. God bless. Goodbye.